0: You are listening to, listening to, listening to, listening to, listening to. Stop bring, cause this thing's for First, Jin, teachers of Lands.
1: back to the First Gen Teacher Lens podcast. Make sure to subscribe if you're a new listener. If you're an old listener, keep hitting those likes, those comments. But In this episode, I talk with my fellow New York City teachers, John, Carl, and Isaiah about the state of Latinx representation in education, right? It's at a dismal state. Teachers are leaving, but particularly brown and black teachers are not heavily represented in the field. We discuss, you know, the disparities with that and how to build connections to kind of keep other Latinx teachers afloat, right? So again, take a listen And stay tuned for the next First Gen Teacher's Lens episode.
0: This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. Hey,
1: everyone. Welcome back to the First Gen Teacher's Lens podcast. My name is Mr. C, your host as usual. Um, Today's episode, we're going to talk about race and representation within the educational field, right? It's something that I hold near and dear to my heart because I am a Latinx representative in terms of uh, my own background, right, and about the podcast, right? So what essentially is uh, representation and race looking like within the, the, the podcast or within the educational field? Um, Today is a special episode because, as some of you know, I joined this Latinx fellowship to kind of promote equity among Latino teachers, right, and for our students. So in today's episode, I have two very special guests who are going to introduce themselves, talk about their own
0: Latinx background. Here they are to introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Isaiah. I'm from Queens, New York. I'm an elementary school teacher. Um, race and representation is definitely something that I hold near and dear to my heart as well, because my father is Afro-Latino. He is a black Dominican born and raised in Puerto Rico and you know, migrated to the States as a young kid. So yeah, that's a little bit about
2: me. And hi, I'm Don Carlos Dominguez. Um, my family immigrated from Ecuador. Um, and I've specifically uh, think about race and representation in education. As someone who grew up in a Hispanic community, but went to like prep schools that were like predominantly white um, and seeing like the differences. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've thought about race and representation in, in those ways and the teachers I had and the, the students peers I had. Um, and yeah, it's it's cool to be a teacher bringing representation to the
1: classroom. Well, Giancarlo and Isaiah, I want to thank you for being guests on the podcast and talk about this pivotal issue, right? We're all Latinx uh, gentlemen here. Uh, my background is I am a first-generation Salvadorian of Salvadorian descent. Uh, grew up uh, kind of different from you, John Carl, where my, I want to say my upbringing was with mainly Black and Hispanic uh you know schooling right but uh you know it, it's crazy to see kind of what you said about representation right teachers well I didn't see myself in these educators um and you know that's a it, there's been some statistics out there by, uh I believe is the national Education Association saying about like the Latinx workforce in at the educational fields, around 12%. When you think of the grand scheme of things, of the old schooling of the United States, that's not that many of us. And, you know, the reason why I guess we all join uh, this fellowship is to find, like, commonality between those, uh, you know, those issues. I know we talked about it a lot throughout the fellowship where why are people leaving um why are specifically black and brown teachers leaving right and i think that's one of the things i Isaiah, i remember when we first met you were like bro i feel like like quitting um is there is there any um pushback that you have on that because you are of a latinx background right
0: that you know i really shouldn't quit because then that's one less of us It's funny you bring that up because that's what I've been thinking about the past three weeks, actually, since summer vacation started. Like you mentioned, if I leave, that's one less Hispanic teacher, but it's also a disservice to the students because I'm a person of color. I'm a male and there's not many male teachers of color, especially in the elementary field section. So I feel like if they don't have me to see every day, who who are they going to have to represent them?
1: Right. Uh, And then just to kick it to John Carl, did you, did you at any point, did you get similar sentiment? Because I know from the consensus of all of us, we felt that this year in particular, and, you know, some of us taught virtually for COVID, and but what I heard was uh, that this year in particular was kind of a rougher year for some folks, I guess, because some kids were coming back into school and like for my students. Did you have any similar sentiment in that regard?
2: Absolutely. Um, so last year I taught social studies. This year I was a special ed teacher um, and I quit my job in January as a special ed teacher, uh, they, because of COVID and everything, like I was essentially expected to be a substitute teacher, like up, down, left, right, but then also expected to deliver like special ed instruction. Um, and it was like, how how am I expected to do this if I've just been substituting like, all day, every day? That being said, I uh, have new employment at a elementary charter school in Jersey City, Um, and also serving like a Latinx demographic of students, working class students, black students, Asian American Pacific Islander students. Um, And it seems like this uh, administration will be um, much better and, and I'll be more satisfied at work and and less likely to leave. Uh, So just (laughs) to give you an example, like I'll be teaching social studies 6th, 7th and 8th. And um, I think that's really important. I studied sociology and I was pre-law in college. So I wanna teach my students like, you know, for real history, not, you know, anything whitewashed or, you know, we all (laughs) held hands (laughs) and sang kumbaya. none of that, no. Um, So that's another aspect of why representation is really important because we're the ones that are going to be, that are going to give our students the realness of like what it is like to survive in this world as like a person of color, as a man of color, um, and to try to empower them in those ways.
1: Right, no, I agree. And, you know, speaking about like, you know, we're inundated with a lot of stuff and Sometimes I don't know if you guys get the sentiment, but like for my school, like I'm the beacon for bilingual kids. And like you're just thrusted more deliverables than you can handle, right? And that's what makes us feel, you know, underappreciated, where it's already a known de facto where the field is already underappreciated. There are, like the salary rates, you know, we've been seeing all things like gas prices things just just go at a meteoric rise right and but our pay rate has it like, <laughs> like it's the then, money it's, it's 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 factual and that's another aspect where um a lot of us especially in these from these backgrounds would be like all right i need to you know i got an education for social mobility right that's one aspect of it because it's true like you know they're they're getting an education provide social mobility but then you go into teaching and then what where's my worth right i know my worth right but then again you get kind of backhanded and like what happened in john carl happens to many of us and it often displaces teachers who are the most uh needed not often sought after because like that's that but the most needed in different areas right in pockets of Um, you know where students are heavily, uh, of Latinx and Black backgrounds, right? So, but I think Isaiah, you talked about something interesting where you know there is this duality of Latinx representation in in terms of specifics, right? So having more um, Afro Latino teachers, right, because. Mm You mentioned something interesting when we were uh, in that first meetup in person where you're like, I feel like there is a pocket of Latinx teachers, but it tends to be mirroring the majority of of education about like whitewashing, right? Is that something that you see on a daily basis at your school or,
0: you know, in your upbringing through your education? In my upbringing, I actually never had a teacher that you know, look like me, or I felt like represented me. I had a couple like here and there, but the majority of my teachers, I mean, I never personally asked them what their ethnicity is. So, you know, I could be wrong to assume, Mm -hmm. but majority of my teachers were white women. That's just the fact, you know, and me being Hispanic and, you know, having a black father, you know, having that African DNA in me, you know, I think off the top of my head, I think I had one black teacher And I don't even think I had a Hispanic teacher growing up.
1: Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. And then uh, John Carl just pulled up some statistics. And this is what we're talking about. So for uh, the Center of Educational Statistics, right? our population right latinx students are more or less likely to have teachers in the united states who represents them and then who is quote unquote the status quo for uh an average teacher it's a 40 old white woman you know karen doing her errands in the suburbs uh but uh karen (laughs) but yeah with right a nearly a decade and a half of experience which is which i saw the statistic it's more it's like 70 percent of teachers are white right how do we change and combat that narrative i think what john call you're bringing up by those statistics is that we have a problem right recruiting right latinx it, even latinx male teachers specifically right and black male teachers because they we're all from new york city there is this initiative new york city men teach i mentioned it a few times because we wouldn't have that program if this wasn't a problem, exactly. right? We usually create these initiatives because there's a harrowing statistics and it's it's more so like a bandaid on a big gash, right? We're trying to like stop the bleeding, but it doesn't stop. Even, um, you know, for me from personal experience, I don't know if this happened to y'all, but like I was vying for a job and... I was one out of two. The other was a lady, but I was the only male person of color, right? Vying for this position. Um, Do you guys have any other like similar experience where you're just vying for a job or heard of uh, stories where you're vying for this job in terms of like, but feel like that the school, because of the, the admin, right? Most admin is primarily white, um, in terms of that area do you feel always the pressure to kind of outperform your counterparts in terms of that that aspect where you're doing an interview like I gotta remember the most right I gotta showcase my lesson plans I gotta bring a. I I actually brought a binder of like you know what I've done in my classroom um, I'm gonna kick it to John Carl have you ever felt that way before
2: Sure. So you bring up a great point of uh, making sure that we're seen as professionals in the workplace, um, especially as Latinx men. Um, We don't know like what stereotypes or biases um, different administrators have. Thankfully, at my previous school, most of the administration were like black folks. We like really got along well, very mission aligned, um, similar goals, but they just hired this new administrator and she had, like, a completely different vision. Um, she didn't seem to value, even though I'd bring it all to the table, that's, that's another thing. Like In America, there are so many Latinx folks who, for their survival, uh, were forced to assimilate or to forget their language
1: mm-hmm.
2: because they felt that to speak their language or to know the language would be a danger. Um, that was not my experience growing up. My parents and my grandparents were always drilling into me that Spanish is important, you gotta learn it. You know, reading Spanish newspapers on the weekends. I took it in high school, I took it in college, like at the graduate literature level, like all these old uh, pre-Hispanic texts. Um, So I really valued it. And it's just surprising to see that now in the workforce, it's not really recognized as like, oh wow, this guy studied and really valued this skill. It's more as like, oh yeah, he just happens to speak Spanish, it's a bonus. Um, At my previous school, so much, maybe more than 70, 80% of the demographics were Hispanic or Latino, many who could not speak English. Mm -hmm. So it was honestly shocking that even though I was called up, down, left, right to be a translator, it's not like anyone was like ever appreciative of that, uh, whether it be uh, in in their words or monetarily wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna
1: keep this to Isaiah because you talk about assimilation. Did you have a, a similar experience uh, growing up where you know? Um, your parents kind of feared or even got backlash for like you know speaking broken English in terms of like you know just little commentaries uh, at your upbringing and now as an educator like I feel uh, like you know having that background yes it's a plus but it's also like kind of not seen that way or you're, you're again just like i was alluding to earlier you're seen as a beacon of like all right this guy like I'll bring all the latinx kids to this guy um isaiah do you have
0: a similar experience um not quite in terms of like my parents didn't have like the language barrier problem mm-hmm. but i definitely agree with a point you mentioned a few minutes earlier which was like as a latinx male it's like you have to work twice as hard or even 10 times harder. Like Mm -hmm. you mentioned, you brought a binder, I think you said, to your interview. Yeah, I did. It's like doing all those little things, like even when I interview at schools and I do a demo lesson, just say, like I know how to teach, I've been doing it for almost seven years now, but I still get a little nervous, like I have to do this extra thing because I'm Dominican, you know? This one extra thing that, to outshine myself against my white counterpart, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. And then that's applied for the same position.
1: Right. Right. And then that's problematic within itself because you would think, right. And this is what I felt, what you were saying, Isaiah, is I had to be on top of my A game for this interview because, uh, you know, there's so many uh, circumstantial things against us, right? Like we might be the one or two, right? Um, person in this interview panel. For me, I was in this position where I was surrounded by all this admin that was primarily Caucasian. Um, I believe there was one lady that was black, or no, one gentleman. He was director of humanities, who happened to be black. But um, I, I think it end up going to go into a white lady, and like that, that kind of kills your demeanor, right? Because you're you're thinking like dang, like, I did all this extra stuff, as, as I was saying earlier, right, and I thought I crushed it, I thought I had a really good interview, and, and when I asked for feedback, they were cherry picking things that I felt were, uh, lackluster things to cherry pick on, right, like, um, I, I think this is my bad, uh, like, I think on a reference, I left one number off. And like, cause like you're doing all these things. Like, I thought I had to teach a demo lesson. So I made a demo lesson. And then for my coworker, I left the number off. And then they called it, they called me off on that. I was like, wow, is that, is that serious? Like, I, I could easily fix that and send it again. And then uh, I was taken aback. But this is the point where I think the three of us turn to make. This is what drives young, aspiring uh, BIPOC teachers out of the field right and I was reading an article last night in preparation for for this episode right and it talked about COVID right we all mentioned when we were at that first gathering first meetup uh like I yeah, I almost quit <laughs> I almost quit <laughs> like I throw in the towel I almost quit <laughs> and no it, we, we can all but it's true like like this was one of the we didn't know what series. was going
0: on it was a yeah. mess. It was a, it's still a mess though that's yeah. the problem it's still a mess
1: <laughs> right and we're like on this cultural pushback because like all right if I leave who's gonna be there for these these kids these kids that that you know 10 years ago 15 years ago I would have been in their shoes I would have not ne- I didn't see any male figure that I can uh abide with right in in the classroom but at the same time covid really put a damper on you know teachers mental health teachers uh you know life work balance because someone's working at home we'll pass our desk like that's 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 work and it gets you into this toxic cycle and one of the sentences that was bolded in this article that i was reading is was profound a lot of latinx teachers left have you guys seen that in your schools um or, or like from friends
0: who may be teachers. Um, I don't know who wants to take it first, Isaiah. I actually saw two more Hispanic teachers get hired at my school. Really? After COVID, yeah, which was interesting, yeah. Because before COVID, it was just me and the ENL teacher, I believe off the top of my head. We're both Dominican. And then when we came back, you know, after the first shutdown, when mm-hmm. we came back into school, there were two additional Hispanic teachers. Wow, that's... that's a nice little thing to see. it was nice
1: no that's interesting because like usually from that article which is from the I believe the national educational education education Association it I felt it was true because like I know a lot of us were leaving in drove especially in the oh, definitely
0: hundred percent
1: in doe we were we were getting hit left and right person quit even for my my uh my coworker quit, my social studies teacher. I mentioned in an episode before, and then I was, I took a pause from, I wasn't posting as much on Instagram more for the podcast because I was legit teaching two subjects, English and social studies. So I definitely felt it firsthand, but I was just curious in terms of, you know, our background, did you see people leave? But that's interesting that you said your school took the initiative to hire um, two more Latinx teachers, oh John my- Carl- John Carl did you have um, any experience with that?
2: Yeah I think it's so dependent on whether the administrators or the leadership whether they actually recognize and value and appreciate what we bring to the table. Mm
0: -hmm. So in my old
2: school the original administration you know the principal treated me like His go-to guy, like, we're boys, dap each other up. Like, thank God this guy is here because there's so many Spanish speakers. And literally, there's nobody else. There's one other ELL teacher. So he always see me as the guy to save the day. He gave me, like, a bonus and a raise. Great guy. And not only that, he prioritized it. He used to prioritize um, the actual students learning Spanish, too. So they'd have Spanish classes, so that they themselves could be that person in the future, empowering others, translating between uh, different peoples. Um, But you know, new administrators come or new leadership comes, and they just kind of see it as like, ah, who cares? Like, they don't recognize that they're not thinking about the needs of their students, about the literal void, Mm -hmm. emptiness that will be there. That if this guy leaves there's nobody to translate there's nobody to make this student feel understood or seen this student is gonna feel alone so it's so dependent on the administration and whether they value or see these kinds of things
1: and I I think that goes back to um you know what we've been learning in this fellowship like I didn't know about honestly, about Latinos for Education until somebody in the fellowship or who runs it told me about it. I heard it word of mouth. And then um, uh, one of my professors at Queens College hit me up. She was like, hey, like this is a graduate student I have currently. She works for this program. Are you interested? And then it led me into this steamroll effect. So if it wasn't for that professor at Queens College, who's now at Columbia, like I would have never heard about this this um, program itself. But I think John Carlo, you I mentioned
0: back off of that real quick.
1: Sure, go ahead, go ahead, go it's ahead. It's
0: funny you say that because the way I found out for Latinos for Education was actually on Facebook. I was on my MacBook just scrolling on Facebook, and then I saw, like, you know how they have those random pop up ads. Yeah, yeah. It's the Latinos for Education. I was like, oh, what is this? I clicked it, it went to the website. I read up about it, and I was like, oh, let me try out for this. So I think there needs to be a push for it to be like more, for lack of a better term, more mainstream, I guess. Like, yeah, I agree. Have access to this information.
1: Because like I felt too, and like John Carl, this is going back to what you're saying, like their administration change. We know that there could be good there's there's good, bad admin, just like you know, there's like for us, there's good, bad teachers, right? That gives a bad rap for like doing this good work, right? Um, but uh in terms of like you know, admin being conscientious, right? I felt that in one of our meetups, I think like the the one with uh, E for L, that was dope because we invited parents who mainly spoke Spanish, right, and were able to communicate in their native tongue, and they it, those those unspoken truths that I felt like why aren't parents coming, particularly Spanish parents coming, were were validating that one, right, uh, oftentimes, right. Hispanic parents feel that there's no representation at the school, right, so they can't they can't communicate effectively, right, or there's little or lacking representation, right, maybe this one person just like in your situation on call might be bombarded with um, tra- doing transitory services for a, a myriad of students, right, and one of the things I learned about this fellowship is doing what we're doing now, is inter- uh, networking, right? Social networking, right? If you have a problem, right, you can easily, hey, have you dealt with this before? And like that's that's all about education, what it's about. And that I feel that connectivity will kind of keep us afloat, even though, again, these statistics for representation are harrowing. But I didn't even know about, um, uh, did you guys get that email about Ed, Ed Centro? Like, uh like uh it's like a i guess like an education kind of like kind of like facebook i guess but like it has it's just for latinx teachers and i didn't know about this until again this fellowship which is great because if i'm going through uh let's say my content area is primary english but if i need help with something i can reach out through this platform do you guys know of any other platforms that you guys can like reach out to fellow latinx like, educators no i wish there were <laughs> besides this one right this is the first know. one. this is exactly. the first one this is the reality of things right this is the first one that this is the first one of uh of like you know uh, uh, of our background, right? So I think it's, 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 it's good that we're doing this work and talking about, um, you know, representation, because we all come from New York City, and people often law in New York City, you know, oh, one of the most diverse places in the world. But it's, that's not the fabric within the educational system. And I don't know what your thoughts are about that, like this this idea that New York City is diverse, but then when you look at the schools, like uh, I don't know if you guys have any. Thoughts it's just
0: a sad reality of how our world is, mm-hmm. you know, to run predominantly by white people at the end of the day, right? You know, and it, it it's sad because it seems like it doesn't matter how many of us there are, we're still being controlled by the white man or the white woman in this case,
1: <laughs> yeah. right, right. And it, and then it goes into even higher levels, right, where you talk about um, even the past uh, edu- Secretary of Education, Betsy uh, uh, DeVos, right? I don't know how to pronounce her name, DeVos, DeVos. But, like, she was making kind of policy statements that were, like, crazy. Like, uh, trying to pull funding from, like, public
0: schools. Um, That's the like, go-to. So it's always, like, pulling funding. It's, like... Yeah. It's never, and and that creates a a further gap
1: for, you know, contracting teachers like us.
0: Exactly, yeah. Right?
1: And I don't know if you guys felt like this, like where you're like, feel kind of, for me, I felt isolated because like, I I think one point I was, I was the only sole person like on my floor of like Latinx background. But at any point in your academic career or educational, uh, like, kind of career, whether it be teaching, studying, did you feel like you were the only Latinx person, whether it be yourself as in the classroom or, um, you know, outside the classroom? Um, I can kick John, Carl, go ahead.
2: Absolutely. Um, I just wanted to say this before. There's this um, stat that's always thrown around, which is like, we're, all, we're more segregated now in our school system than we were in the 50s and 60s. So, um, and I don't, I don't know the exact legal scholarship or the name of the scholars off the top of my head, um, but there, there was this one idea that when, when they outlawed the whole separate but equal um, doctrine, uh, that instead of, instead of making the separate illegal, like if you know, being next to white people somehow magically makes you smarter or, or better, or I don't know, makes your education better, that they should have focused on the equal part, that, that it's, this is unconstitutional because it's not equal. Um, and why do I mention that? Because y'all are mentioning that so much of the administration and people in power are white folks goes back to that case, Um, because when they said that uh, the separate but unequal is is unlawful. That's when they started firing all the black educators, all the Hispanic educators, all the educators of color. They got rid of them and then like, okay, now we're going to make our own integrated schools, which surprise, surprise, are run mostly by white folks. So there's this tradition of you know, educators of color who were dismissed and kicked out. And, um, um, and it's, it's not that the interest wasn't there. It's that the laws and the society literally pushed them aside. And now yeah. we're seeing the consequences of that as, as you and Isaiah have been speaking about.
1: Right, right. We're living in a time where, again, just like that statistic that you pulled up who who is this average teacher like I can't Mm -hmm. I can't relate to this person who is I understand right like you know that you know some teachers who are of of the majority background who are white do have the best intentions right like I had when I was in fifth grade I remember shout out to her she uh she stayed in the game for a long time Miss Nicholsberg, old Jewish lady taught me math did a good job (laughs) swear to god did a good job but I but like again at, you know for us right I don't know about y'all feel about this but like it's at a deeper level if you can vibe culturally right and or in uh, some
0: sense in some
1: sense speak. or or even like a like we're all Latinos from different backgrounds but mm-hmm. like we have some nuances of each other's culture right and like like there, there's a that's that's a deep fulfilling thing that like I can't get from uh what the average teacher represents, right? Mm-hmm. And it's something that like I can't explain, but I don't know. You seem, you feel more comfortable, you know,
2: right? Exactly. Like and prior knowledge activated, like that cultural right. com, um, thing you have in common. Um, right. studies that show that kids do better when they have teachers that represent them.
1: Mm-hmm. You're right. I, I was reading about that in that same uh, article where teachers are going through this mass exodus and then they highlighted Latinx teachers, but they said Hispanic students or Latinx students do better when teachers, uh, you know, there are teachers that represent them. There's this fluidity of like culture and, you know, buy in. Right. Because, man, this guy like made it in sort of speaking in, in layman's terms you're speaking like this guy like made it I remember when I was a student teacher and this girl who happened to be Salvadorian because I went to student teach uh back in my hometown and then she's like yeah we never had a Salvadorian guy before like or a girl ever at like the high school level and then you could see in her face that she was like impact if she was like oh like I've, I've heard your name before it's like because my friend and fr- my friend and so and so has it so it was it was dope to see but I think what we're doing now is laying the groundwork and like there are statistics out there that are um, you know how just like we mentioned but things like the Latinos for education and the Ed Central um, kind of platforms really kind of created this uh, community of uh, educators who are our latinx background and that's one of the things that we spoke about is community building right mm-hmm. how do we because community building is power right the more of us that come out in numbers and know the ins and out of the field the better it is to get
0: more of us into the field because that's what we need right now um it's not even just getting us into the field it's also keeping us right that, that's right. a whole nother podcast that that goes into like Administrative, restorative practices, and just teacher turnover age. rates. Teachers, teacher turnover rates. You know, if if six people are leaving your school in the in the summer, that's a problem. You know. Yeah,
1: you're right. You're right. It has to be. Uh, you know, definitely in terms of like thinking about new ways to keep us within the field, because like we mentioned earlier, what what's the reason? You know, Cardi B voice of like just keeping what was the
0: reason what was the reason just,
1: what is what is the reason like of keeping us in the field to be wholeheartedly right mm-hmm. no sound check
0: off a box that you have hispanic teachers right exactly you really
1: care about us right and um i know we got about a, couple, a minute left and a couple of seconds but um i just want to wrap this up um i want to thank isaiah john carl for being a part of the First Gen T-Trends Podcast um and you know if for any latino teacher listening out there um you can follow me on instagram firstgenteacherlens uh first-gen teacher lens or just look up the podcast and go to those resources that we mentioned latinos for education at Ed centro right create those um those accounts right hit up latinos for education see where you can get those resources and if not hear from one of us and I just want to thank Isaiah and John Carl again thank for being you. part of the podcast. And don't forget to like and subscribe.
0: Th- th- thank you for having listened to the first, first gen, gen teacher's, teachers lens. lens. We'll see you here next time.